Hey there, leader. Today, today on Security on Tap, we're going to be talking about building your team. Should you build it? Should you buy it? And how do you retain it? So today's subject is brought to you because we are Security on Tap. Yes. At the fine establishment of Jonathan's in Bellevue. Woo, Jonathan's. Believe it or not, they put us up in the little loft area up here. Yes. We get the whole section to ourselves having our, our little drinky poos. And and command and a commanding view as we people watch from afar, looking down on people from our, our high and lofty perch. <laughs> so, you know, which is pretty much the definition of podcasting. Uh, yeah, I guess it is. Yeah. <laughs> um, so our subject today is all about staffing your team. And we recognize and everybody is who's been out there, information security professionals are in high demand, have been in high demand for probably the past 15, 20 years, yep. at least as long as I've been practicing in cybersecurity. And it's not making any signs of getting any better. No, it's in it's in great demand, and the people that are in the field know that they can command more, and in so doing, there's a high attrition rate, there's a, a low job, uh, low job retention, and lots, lots and lots of churn. According to Cybersecurity Dive, the outlook for 2023, they are saying there is a 3.4 million security professional which a need for more than 3.4 security uh, million security professionals, and that is an increase of 26 percent from 2021. Yeah, it so, was already dire, and it's it's getting more and more desperate. And it's getting desperate. So, desperate times, desperate measures, the whole bit. So, there are only maybe there are others, but from my point of view, Randy, and you, you feel free to disagree. There are two ways to go about this. I can build an information security professional, cybersecurity professional myself. Yeah. By giving them the training and the and the experience and things that they need. That of course is expensive in time. Yes. The other way is to buy one. And I don't mean go out and rent a, a contractor. What I mean is go Hires. out and find somebody with the exact skill set or experience and then pay the premium associated with bringing them in. Yeah. And you know the 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 whole buy versus build you know, software development, right? Or yeah. software. Yeah, it's it's the same with people. People are an investment. People have a, a, a shelf life, just like uh, software does. And they need to evolve and build and themselves. You know, there's only two options when you work for a company. Either the company outgrows you or you outgrow it. <laughs> and with, with the tremendous space that's out there, uh, there's a lot of movement. There's a lot of attrition. And people are moving jobs every two to three years um, and getting great gains in doing so. As soon as they get a certification, as soon as they get trained up, they get they get snapped up. Right there flying out. I know one company that actually watches and when it sees on LinkedIn that so-and-so got the such-and-such certification, they're like, give that person a spot bonus. Give that person a, you know some attention right now because they know that with that very public and visible posting, they become visible to recruiters. I somewhat agree with that. On the other hand, and I, I think it's a, a, I won't call it cheap, but it's a relatively easy, probably not most effective way to keep the, the vultures from circling yeah, it's, it's, too quickly. It's a short-term yes, solution. 100%. The long-term solution is is to build those people. Well, well, you, well before you get there, I'd love, yeah. to, I'd love to hear 
if you don't have one, I can think of one. But an example, let's start with build. Give me an example of somebody you chose to build and why it was good or why it wasn't good. Well, where it's good is you see someone with high aptitude who is already passionate, excited about the field. Maybe they don't have all the skills in the field because you can teach them the skills. There's a story that goes back, and again, I heard it, you know, in my circles when I was in the military, and it goes back to Navy SEAL training that uh, they had this group of folks show up for Navy SEAL training. They got to swim the length of the pool is one of the skills, and one of the kids just dropped right in, sank to the bottom, walked to the end of the pool and walked back, came up dying for air, gasping for air. They said, son, what's wrong with you? Can't you swim? He said, no, but he wanted to be a SEAL. And the guy said, that's okay, we'll teach you how to swim. Somebody with that amount of passion, that amount of dedication, you can teach him whatever skill you you want to. You know, my coach used to call it, football coach used to call it, you know, I I can teach you to... Teach you to block, it can't teach you to be big. Exactly, right? <laughs> you show up with the passion, the determination, so you look for that grit. That's one of the things that's missing in people today in a lot is the grit. It's uh, like oh, you're starting to show your age. No, no, no. damn kids stay in the rock and roll. <laughs> no, it is. Because I, I happen to, to know a few people that are early in their career and they have shown great grit and determination. And I'm like, that one right there. Yes. We're gonna invest in that one right there because they're already putting in sweat equity. So or maybe others aren't. In your example. Yeah. So how did you pick them out? You saw the grit? You saw, would you, or did you just take a leap of faith? No. How do you know? You're well, a security leader. How do you know? Well, if you got a batch of people, right, and you don't really know from a batch of people, you put out some needs. Like you put out a blanket need. We need someone to take the lead on. And you watch. Who steps up? Who is stepping up to say, I want to try that or I want to do that? Or who's coming to you personally to say, I'd really like to do more. I'd really like to learn more. Yeah. The person that's showing the initiative we, we is had, key. I'll give you my example. We had, um, back when I worked at a um, an unnamed credit card processor, <laughs> we had acquired uh, a piece of a bank in, in the Midwest, and the bank had done credit card processing type stuff. And there was a, a gentleman there, and he had put himself through college on his own dime and gotten a cybersecurity degree. And at the time, he was making, I mean, he was not making a lot of money. He was an hourly employee, and he was basically doing low-level Unix admin. And, and we grabbed him up. We grabbed him up quick. And not only that, we, we got in a huge fight with HR about how much he was going to be paid. Yeah. Because they wanted to drastically underpay him because they felt the raise was too much. And I said, but if I don't hire this guy and I hire, and if I buy from the outside, I'm going to pay that much. And they said, yeah, but you just can't give him that much. And we went to the, we went to the mattresses on that one. Those are Godfather, uh, Godfather aficionados. And and we ultimately won. It took longer than I'd like. But using your template there, he had, he had the desire he put himself through it. He didn't get uh, tuition reimbursement. He wanted to get through it, and he came to us and said, I think I can help. This is where you need talent acquisition HR people that understand your business. Unfortunately, a lot, and again, I, I just in my experience, most talent acquisition folks of that nature have no talent. <laughs> they lack the talent to see talent. And so, that's the thing. You need to be able to spot the talent. And some of and that the has raw to do, talent. 
But I think yeah. you as a leader have to have that ability, yes. right? Yes, yeah. And, and your, your HR group, your talent acquisition, should support you in that to a degree because there are plenty of examples where you show that young person who has the grit and determination or that person who's a retread who's like, I'm leaving this profession and I want to get into it and I'm willing to put in the sweat equity. That type of language, that type of initiative coming from people is rare. Right. When you see it, grab it. That person is going to be worth the money you put into it. Well, I've got a little a little caveat to that. Yeah. Hey, currently today, we have somebody in our organization, not security, but in the in the greater organization, uh, who's who has the grit and who has the know-how and the knowledge and all that. And I'm loathe ever bring that person into security because of all the good they do in technology for us. Losing that person on the other side. Yeah. So how do you make that call? Well, that's that's a challenge, but it's also it, you. It's limiting people that are really good at their job. Yeah. I, th- I think right. in reality, and the reason why we haven't made that conversion is the person hasn't come for it, right? Okay. I think they'd be a great fit, but they've never come and said, let me in, or I'm that, going to That's apply. different. If they're just good at what they're doing, you're like, gee, we really like to have them. Keep them as a partner. But the minute they're like, I want to do something different, realize that you know, good people will stay in a bad situation or not an ideal situation longer than most. That's what makes them good people. Yeah. But good people, once they decide to check out, they're gone. Oof. And smart companies are going to hire them in an instant. And it's, and it's yeah. really hard to get somebody to check back in. It is, once they check out. Agree. For those of you who are, are leadership nerds, and a, and a few of you listening have heard this, there is a, a theory of motivation out there. And if you've ever listened... Um, to a couple of the, there's a TED talk out there that I can post, um, that I have posted in the past, uh, Daniel Daniel Pink, but another one called the dual motivation theory, uh, dual factor motivation theory, and talks about satisfiers and dissatisfiers, and that the dissatisfiers, let's say money, yeah. I'm not being paid enough, so if $100,000 is where I become, and it's just because it's a round number, I suck at math, um, $100,000 is, is what would make me comfortable. Giving me another $50,000 doesn't increase my level of satisfaction. No. It just wipes out my dissatisfaction, brings yeah. my dissatisfaction level to zero. You get over to the thing that Daniel Pink talks about, about your about the, the purpose, the autonomy, yeah. right, and the mastery. It, those things are what you want. Well, that and, gets into the... the the younger generation now, right? When we, we, we did a podcast where we talked about the industrial revolution, the information revolution, the social, social revolution. revolution. The social revolution now is, is they care more about, it's not about the standard of living, it's about my quality of living. So, social revolution does not mean moving from Twitter to threads. No, no, it doesn't, no. But the whole thing here is, in the, back to the buy versus build mantra, finding the person that is, is engaged that is willing but might not have the skill. Yeah. Back to the, the Navy SEAL example, right? If you've got the determination and the grit, we can teach you the skill. It takes longer. And by the way, I've worked at several places where if you take a risk on someone like that, and I say risk in quotes, it's really low risk. Those people are more loyal, and they will stay longer. They won't, they won't bail on you in two or three years. They'll stick around for five or six. And in some cases, you got to be like, hey, Lady, hey, dude, 
you really should get out of here, right? <laughs> That's a time. good problem to have when you're counseling your people that you, sh- you could do more. You know, we had um, years ago a woman who came to work for us, and I, I can't remember what her job was on a resume. It might have been real estate agent or something like that. But somebody had hacked her home computer and taunted her. She took it to Geek Squad, and they fixed it and note or something and said, you can get rid of me that easily. Yeah. Right? And then uh, she got mad, and she started just taking every course and going to every conference, doing everything. When we met her, she had a honeypot. She had IDS. She had a firewall. She built it all herself, and it was outstanding. As a matter of fact, now I think she's um, a director of threat intelligence somewhere. That's beautiful. It's beautiful. But she is the one that showed up with the – she walked across the bottom of that pool not knowing how to swim, and it was outstanding. Yeah. And and those are the ones that, that you gravitate to. Some of it, too, spotting talent, latent talent. When you see someone maybe that has the aptitude, but maybe they're struggling, and this is, again, mostly in, in younger folks, retreads are the ones that are maybe mid-career that are an HR person is like, I want to get out of this field, get into yeah. something else, or they're maybe pure IT and want to get yeah. into the security side. Our buddy Jordan, yeah. I'm going to get out of recruiting and go into cybersecurity. Right. Well, now you've got a, a senior, too, cybersecurity leader that, that comes from a, from a, you know, a, a, a background that it wasn't a technology position, but had the grit, grit determination, willingness to, to reach it. Um, so let's talk about the other half real quick. Yeah. Buying. So yeah. when you're hiring, what would, well, first of all, let me ask this. What is your preference? Build or buy? Well, if budget is no option. <laughs> Sadly, it always is. Yeah. But a budget's no option. Buy. Really? Buy. You wouldn't rather develop somebody internally? If, well, typically the needs are acute, right? Yeah. So if, if you're coming in and you have acute needs and the business is behind an eight ball or you're behind an eight ball, you don't have time. So you're saying it's it's, it's scenario dependent. Yeah. yeah. So all things being equal. I, well, I think what you're telling me, what, I'm, what I want to say is that it is a trade-off. And those of you who can't see, I've got my scales of justice yeah, out. Yeah. Right? Yes. Time versus money. Yes. You're great with your hands. If I've, got, <laughs> I've got time, then, you know, I don't have to spend any money. And if right. I've got money, I could save time. Well, that Hopefully. gets... Right. But you get into retention. Buy or build, you, you, you still wind up with retaining whatever you buy or build. And that, then, is about the evolution of the skills. Well, it gets back to those satisfiers about... Yeah. Are they, are they, you know, giving an opportunity to provide mastery in what they're doing? Are they getting towards autonomy, right? Is there a purpose that they're truly engaged in? I, I'll tell you whether you build or buy, the thing that, that attracts and keeps people is the mission of your organization. Yeah. And it can't be, our mission is to provide synergies to the business on everyday resiliency against yeah. yeah. Right? That's awful. Yeah. Your mission, you know. And you call it a motto, a mission, or whatever you want. And I'm not going to be a purist here. You can put down your copy of Harvard Business Review. What I'm telling you what your mission is, is, is why are you here? And one of my favorite things is we did this the thing about people's mission statements and mottos and things. And Nike's internal mission statement was to unleash your inner athlete. And I was like, damn, I want to go, I want to <laughs> go work cool. there. Yeah, right? yeah. And, and think about that. You need to... You know, using Braveheart as a backdrop, you need to unite these people. They gotta believe in the thing. Yeah. You mentioned earlier when we were getting our drink order about culture fit. 
Oh, yeah. And I think that's a big part of it. Well, that's the danger you, you have when you buy. You buy this expensive resource, and he or she comes in, and yeah, they know how to how to do uh, the, the, the narrow slice of architect-level stuff that you need done, but they're not a fit for the culture. And, and by culture, it doesn't mean he doesn't wear the same sneakers or he doesn't listen to the same music. It's the shared value set. Right. The shared value set and and understanding the norms of how things are done, right? Right. Being able to navigate your internal company culture when things aren't going as they should. Knowing how to escalate. Knowing the internal vernacular and how you write your prose, you know, to, to people when you're not communicating with them directly. That's important. And again... The, the build person is already going to have navigated that, and your, your risks are less with an internal candidate. Now, it's a longer ramp to proficiency. Yep. That ramp to proficiency to be good at that skill set, you can buy it from the outside immediately, but the, the build takes longer. You know, I, and I think there is there a happy medium, and I go out and I find, you know, Pat, who's in our technology group, wants to come over and become a Splunk engineer, has an interest, has the grit, the whole bit, I think has the smarts, you can double down and spend both resources, which is bring Pat in and hire a Splunk consultant for three months to sit with Pat and cover Pat's job, teach Pat, get Pat where they need to be, and then that consultant rolls off and Pat's ready to go. Well, how I navigated that in the past, I had someone who, who ultimate career goal was to be a, a, a general counsel, a GC. They're... People uh, actually want to be yeah, that. Yeah, they want to be a GC. And, and if you're listening, we have numbers for therapists. Yeah, exactly. Um, but they were an architect level identity engine, uh, identity architect, right? Well, in order to get there, they, they were doing studies on their own, taking law courses, things like that on their own already. Well, it became a conversation with our existing GC to say, hey, could this person in their spare time start doing some lower level work for you? And then that turned into, hey, now 30% of their work time, now 50% of their work time, to where they could eventually flip over into the job role. The other thing you could do for folks, providing not just sweat equity in your spare time, but letting people have a secondary job skill. In the military, everybody had a primary and a second military, right? The the primary is what you do day to day. Secondary is what you do. And one of the teams I have now, we have primary and secondary responsibilities. So when the primary is out, you're it. And you need to know everything the primary does to a degree, yep. but you need to be able to think. Or I need to be able to go, we need the primary. Right, right, right. <laughs> right, right. But that's a way, too, where you could align people to their second, their primary new skill that they want to learn, but doing it secondary on the side. And the more initiative, the more investment they show, well, you can turn right around and say, all right, you're going to give one, I'm going to give one. You know, You're going to do that. I'm going to do that. And retention goes through the roof when you do that. There's a great example of that. Uh, a former executive assistant worked, oh, yeah, yeah. worked for me. <laughs> you know, had, had worked for the company many years. Yeah. You know, arguably one of the smarter people I've ever met in my life. Uh, and we made available. This person had no idea what they wanted to do. Knew they had a vague interest. Sat in the security operations center in our physical security operations center. Yeah. Tagged along with the, you know, the, the cyber guys and sat in with the risk and privacy people and, and eventually came out and said, I'm an interest in We let that person shadow everybody, gain a little bit of proficiency, and then over time, 
I, and it was funny, I had the conversation with my executive assistant, and I yeah. said, you can have the job as long as you find me a replacement for you, Yeah. right? And so, amazingly motivated, what I thought was going to take three or four months took about three weeks. <laughs> well, you know, the beautiful thing of that, the person you're talking about, her predecessor, exact same thing happened. And now that person is is running the cyber threat at a, at a company local yeah. here in Tennessee, which is just cool. Again, that's the folks that, that show the initiative, that show that they were willing to put in the sweat equity. Had the grit. Yeah. yeah. The other thing I'll say this too, and passionately I'll say this, hire vets. Vets coming out of the service already have a high aptitude of wanting to learn. They are coming out yeah. with uh, ability to learn things quickly. And they have patience. They do. They do. <laughs> Hurry up and wait. Uh, yeah, exactly. And But you know what? The willingness, if you take a, a chance on them, it is a great ROI. We also had interns. You know, when you hire interns, if you're able to hire someone out of a master's program directly into one of these jobs, and they are hungry and looking for a job, it's been proven time and again. Those interns, just like those vets, are are more loyal. They will stay longer with you because you took a chance on them than the folks that you would buy outright. And I know we're running long in the tooth here, but do you believe that is the kind of company that hires somebody in like that? It isn't because they hired them in that they stay. It's because that's the value set. That's the culture of the organization yeah. that looks at somebody like a veteran or, or an intern and says, we want to develop you. We want to grow with you. And I think that's what creates it. I don't think it's some forlorn sense of loyalty or something like that. No, Maybe it's an a little attractive bit. culture that, it's that's attractive there culture. that leads to that. And, and I think that's what we're saying here. Yeah. Whether you buy or build, if you want to retain, you have to instantiate the mission and the culture, the mission that you know drives that culture or, or the other way around, that keeps those people here, that gives them the, the opportunity to master something, to be autonomous and and yeah. believe in the purpose of what they're doing. And, and I know there's rules and regulations around how you treat FTEs and contractors or full-time people and contractors, but people are people. And if you have an organization that treats people like people... Contractors are people. <laughs> they're people too, <laughs> yeah. But if you have an organization that looks at the asset like an asset, like a personal people asset, that again tells you a bit about that organization they're not just there to burn through people. We're just not here to use you up till you're done. We're making an investment in you. And again, that breeds loyalty. The other side of that, I know some people may not agree with this, but I think your job as a leader is to give your people every opportunity to outgrow their the company they're in. Yeah. You have become more than what you're doing it's time for you to go. Or maybe it's time for you to advance within the organization. Sure, sure. But the, you're, you got to keep them growing. Yeah, There's no yeah. keeping them in place. But it's like trying to keep your kid from growing up. It just doesn't work. It, it doesn't. And your kids resent you for try, it. Try treating them like a child when they're yeah. in their 20s and see how it goes. As, as Yeah. <laughs> that being said, I mean, Connor, you need to clean your room. <laughs> and having navigated that with several adult children already... Several? Two more kids than I thought? Way more. I find a new one every time I come home. Uh, but uh, Honey, is this one of ours? Yeah. But but that, it can easily breed contempt or it can breed appreciation. It will create, and when people, creates dissatisfaction. When, people, when you counsel someone to take a better job away from you, the rest of the group, 
they're they're going to win. You're going to win them over as well. And and in the long run, you win. It's about the long game. Unless you yourself, leader, are only there to turn the crank until you get your equity and get out, then forget I'll, it. I'll give one last example. This was many years ago, back in my California days, and I hired a person because he had all the experience we were looking for, the right firewall, the right IDS, the right client system. Oh, this is perfect. It's a match. That guy did nothing. Nothing. And if I had known that, we were a small, lean team. Everybody had to pitch in. We eventually let him go on a, during a riff, made it easy. Yeah. But uh, it was, I, and I've learned my lesson. I can teach you how to block. I can't make you love what you do. Yeah. Well, and in closing here, dear leader, spotting talent is talent. And you can cultivate that talent within yourself if you look for those key things. We're happy to help you do that. We can put some resources on. Um, if you listen to the podcast and want some more, we'll gladly provide it to you because we are, we've got a lot of it. we got too many links to put in the uh, <laughs> comment section anyway. But happy to help you with that. Just reach out to us. Absolutely. Well, I guess that uh, that wraps us up here at Jonathan's Grill for the evening. Yeah, it's time to eat. Yeah, have another <laughs> drink. All right. All right, Randy. I guess that's it. So I'm Jim Desmond. And I'm Randy Fields. You guys keep leading. It's a good one. <laughs> <laughs>